So today I want to speak to you about the love of Bethlehem. But what is so interesting, I look back at some of the Christmas traditions across the world. Because the world is big and there's some strange ones that I couldn't bring up. And the first one is in Venezuela. I kind of like them. When they go to Mass on Christmas, they all put roller skates and roller blades on. Even the older people. How hip is that? And you're going like, who's that? That's my grandma. <laughs> on her way to Mass. <laughs> the first question that came to my mind is, oh, what is the injury um, ratio as people arrive at Mass? Uh, in Colombia, they call it the Day of Lights. Everybody makes handmade made lanterns and they place it all over the streets in the marketplace and in the home for they celebrate the light of heaven has pierced through and they celebrating the light but yet I want to remind you that we know that that light has a name because John says he Jesus was the light of the world then there is another place where Germany and they have two uh, things or people there sorry for exploding in the mic Saint Nicholas not to be confused with Santa AI tells me don't confuse the two now Saint Nicholas goes through all the villages and he hands out toys get this fruit Saint Nicholas will not live long in America because he comes to your house and give your son a banana. Good luck, St. Nicholas. And shoes. That's what he hands out. Then this is the most bizarre tradition. In Austria, they got Santa and Krampus. It's almost like the Grinch, Krampus. Now, they have many people dressing up as Krampus. Now, Krampus, his job is to go after the bad kids. I think it's an incredible idea. Just to have a picture of Krampus on your refrigerator and you tell your kids, take out the trash. Oh, he's going to get you. You've got six more months to go, buddy. Krampus. Santa gives good gifts and Krampus apparently steals the bad kids. But as we talk about Advent... The waiting, the awaiting of something noble or something important. It is very hard for us in our Christmas tradition and our faith to take a pilgrimage and be reminded of why Christmas, this season, is so important. Because first of all, in the Western culture, we wait for nothing. Uh, we don't even wait for rice to cook. We have instant rice. We don't wait for coffee to brew. We have instant coffee. We've got microwaves. We've got lasers. We've got everything. We instant, baby. We don't know what waiting is. But three years ago, we went with a group of picture uh, people to Israel. What was so striking in Jerusalem, the temple of, of Solomon is still standing in parts. This is the original walls of that temple and was so fascinating as they took us into these tunnels 
under the city where they are excavating more of the walls of the temple of Solomon. Day and night, night and day, day and night, night and day. Around the clock you will see Jewish people and they sway when they pray. And their prayer is for the Messiah to return. You will see as you stand by the walls that people have all these prayer card, prayer notes that they pushed into the wall. And these are not give me a brand new Cadillac. This is Messiah, God and King, would you come? Because the promise is when he comes, he will reestablish the kingdom of David. He will bring order and peace, not just to Jerusalem, but to the world. Once again, they will not be striving. He will take the weapons and make it into plowshares. He will bring peace to the world. And for over a thousand years, everybody, you would see fathers and their sons, mothers and their daughters, and they are a people of Advent. They are still waiting. You see, if we talk about Advent and them, Advent for Israel is the longing for a Messiah. But when Jesus came, they didn't receive him as a Messiah. That's why Peter said, you are still waiting for the Messiah, but God sent his son, the Messiah Jesus, and you crucified him. So what are we waiting for if who we wait for has already come? You see, Advent for us, is a longing for God's Spirit to break afresh into our world, into our homes, into our marriages. Because church, I can tell you this, and the only way I can describe it is to put something natural on the table that you understand. I think the biggest gift that we can ever ask of God is to grow old in love with a sweetheart of our life. That one day you will sit there with the one that you've loved for an eternity. Because love is a strange thing. Love will cause grown men to sell their bass boats in order to take the love of their life to Cancun. Love will do anything. That's why I always believe that you can look at your hand whether it's open or closed and it's a direct reflection of your love do I think we love absolutely but in the book of revelations God says you love but you are no longer in love you've lost that first love for me and I believe more than anything for us in this Christmas season to ask God to break into our world like Paul, he was standing in an abreast. He was defending Jesus the Messiah in, in Rome and in Athens with the smartest people. And yet when he was old, he prayed in the book of Philippians, God, that I may know Jesus, that I may become intimately acquainted with the wonder of his person that I may be transformed in his liking through suffering, that I may know your son, Jesus. And during COVID, God had a lot of deep cutting, painful cutting in my life. 
And one of the things I did is I went to Joanne Fabrics. God bless Joanne's. This, everything is always 90% off. I don't know how it works. Never tell me you don't want to be an artist. You can go there with $3 and deck yourself out. I bought the largest canvas that I could find and I put it up in my prayer room. And you say, wow, why would you do that? Because I realized that I'm so confident about who Christ is that sometimes I have no room to, for Him to reveal to me the even more majestic Christ that I'm yet to see. And I started praying, God, I know you through tradition. I know you through scripture. I know you through life. I know you through experience. But now, would you repaint yourself in a way that I've never seen? I'm not expecting no hand to paint magically on my wall. It's just the token of my prayer. And that is why I truly believe if we understand the spirit of Advent, we will not walk the path of Advent until we see the need for the Messiah in our marriage, in our home, in our hearts, and in our life. But you see, Advent, Carl Sagan, and I want to read this to you. He is one of the most renowned of all the astronomers, cosmologists. He's an astrophysicist and astrobiologist that lived. He was an outspoken uh, atheist. All he did was study the stars, the galaxies, and the planets. Brilliant mind. Before his death, he wrote this. He says, who are we? We find that we live on an insignificant planet of a humdrum star lost in a galaxy tucked away in some forgotten corner of a universe in which there are far more galaxies than there are people alive on the earth then he says this our planet is but a lonely speck in the great evolving cosmic dark in our obscurity in all the vastness there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves no hint you see what strikes me so by his word is that he talks the same language as in the book of Genesis chapter 1. I love the paraphrase of Eugene Peterson. He says, in the beginning, the earth was an empty void, a soup of nothingness and an empty abyss. And darkness covered the earth. But you know there is not enough darkness condensed in the world that can ever eliminate the power of one light. And you see, God knows from the beginning of time that light is not something we can create because all we can create is a light for our eyes, but we are unable to create a light for our soul. And that's why scripture says in John chapter 1 verse 5. Oh, would you read it with me? Oh, make me happy. Come on, make me happy. Let's read it together. A light...
that thrives in the depths of darkness blazes through the murky bottoms it cannot and will not be quenched you say where does the scripture come from in the book of john he says in him was light and the light shone into the darkness and the darkness couldn't snuff him out when our messiah jesus came god did not just send him he sent a blazing light i love this that thrives in the depth of darkness oh can i tell you this there is no darkness in your life and my life secret place of darkness where the light of heaven cannot cast out that darkness there is no place of hopelessness that is so thick depression that is so deep addictions that is going so far a marriage that is so hopeless where the light of heaven cannot invade because it thrives to bring light to that darkness but you see what triggered the coming of Jesus was love the love of bethlehem love now for us you and me we understand love in a certain way love is messed up i dated my wife courted her for seven years people seven you know what she did in return she's not here so i can tell you she broke up with me twice in seven years and you know how she did it she bought me an expensive gift every time she wanted to break up so to this day when she gives me a gift i said i'm not taking it I ain't taking nothing. I know how this works. Uh-uh. I ain't taking a gift. But because love is something that you feel but the reciprocation of that love is never guaranteed. How many people in your world have said to you I love you and today you sit with a severed relationship and love has been violated? betrayed the pain of love that has been violated or love that has been lost is the greatest pain do you understand that god experiences the same pain oh i love this genesis chapter 2 music rufus not chapter 4 no 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 chapter 2 You know, when God created all things, he spoke it into existence. I love it. He says, "Let there be birds, let there be doves, pigeons." And it was. And God looked and said, "It's beautiful." Then God says, "Let there be a platypus, let there be a, a sloth, let there be, let there be." And can you imagine the angels? The Bible says when God created the sons of the morning were singing with excitement to the glory of creation. But then God said, "Let us make man. Not speak man. Make man. Oh, I love it so much." And the God that had you and I in mind bent down and scripture says, he put his hands in the reddish soil of the earth. and he began to get his hands dirty because love for what he was about to create while he was creating this mad man david already spoken david would say 
God, what are we that you are mindful of us? The son of man that you would even create us. In God's mind, he looks at mud and he says, I'm going to crown this with honor and glory and put them over the hands of all my creation. And then God bent down and breathed. There's nothing more intimate than to breathe the breath of life into the lungs of dirt. Oh, do you know, you and I are but just dust. That's why that song says, you make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of the dust. You make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of us. Come and turn to your neighbor and say, you are pretty mud, baby. Tell them, you're pretty mud. But yet, yet, here comes Adam and Eve, made from love to be loved and to love. Don't miss this. They were made from love, with love, to be loved and to love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, the love of God is not selfish, it's kind, it's gracious, compassionate, and wish no harm. That's the love of God. And then what did Adam and Eve do? They violated that love of God. God felt pain. And man said, hey, thank you for your love. But we're going to take our own way. They walked away from perfect love. And can I just say to parents in this place, in a perfect garden with a perfect God and a perfect creation, Adam and Eve still made their own choice. The angels didn't turn to God and say, you're a bad parent. Parents, be free. Be free. Your children will make up their minds, but they cannot stop you and I from praying. your love away from them because your love is like a magnet listen everybody returns to love they will not return to I told you so they will return to love because when we come back to God he doesn't say sit down I told you so I told you why why did you do this man God does not this his love has no recollection of wrong and Adam and Eve became self-conceited. The word self-conceited is very important to me because you see, self refers to an individual's own personhood. Conceited means it describes a person that is excessively proud of themselves at the point of arrogance, conceited, to mean that they've inflated self of importance, their abilities, and their achievements. <sighs> Whatever gift we have, we can never do something with that gift and say, hey, you like what I'm doing? Because the gift that you have comes from Him. You can never sing and say, oh, God just loves my voice. No. 
He loved your voice before he even gave you the ability to sing. It's love is what God loves. Because he says, I want to be a God to them. But you see, there is a story in the Bible that is so painful. I'm going to skip over these scriptures. Because love comes out of price. In the Bible, in the book of Hosea, I would love for you to read it. And I'm going to close with this. Come on, high five your neighbor and say, this is a miracle. Christmas miracle on the second Sunday of hope. Of love. God wanted the people to know how he feels. What their betrayal has done to his heart. And the way that God works, he creates something in the natural for us to understand that points to the invisible that we cannot understand or see unless there's a natural that we can see. So God turned to the prophet Hosea. He says, I want you to go to the town center and marry one of the most prolific prostitutes and I will cause you to love her. Man, when I read that, I thought, what did his church board say? If I had to go to the church board and say, hey, God spoke to me last night. I've got to marry a hoochie mama. I'm just telling you. It's the way it is. <laughs> I don't know how that works. Sorry, hoochie mama is, du is Dutch. I'm so... He marries her. But God says to him, you will love her but you will return to the arms of illicit lovers. You will provide for her, but it will never be enough. She will return to the arms of illicit lovers. You will give her everything she needs, but she will run back to the arms of illicit lovers. What I want you to do is go after her and bring her back. Oh, get the picture, church. Get the picture. Get the picture. Our love is so fickle. Sometimes we feel that we're not getting enough attention. And now the object of our love has got to sleep on the couch for four weeks. Because my love comes with a condition. I ain't saying it's right or wrong. But God says to the prophet, she is going to do that. Betray again and again and again and again and again. And you go after her again and again and again. And then God says, listen to how I will go after her. Because she is all of you. You have become like her. I love you. I protect you, but you run back into the arms of an illicit world. I give you all that I have, but it's not enough apparently, for you run from me. Then God says, but you know what I will do? I will court her again and bring her into the wilderness. I love that wilderness. That's a whole message that I can preach. Can I just stop there with wilderness? Can I just say this to parents? Don't rescue your kids from wilderness. 
Because if you rescue them from the wilderness, sometimes God will find them there. Or they will surrender in the wilderness. But you bail them out of the wilderness all the time. You've been praying and now God leads them into the wilderness. Pray that God would give you the courage to remain steadfast and give you a revelation of His sovereignty. Don't rescue people out of the wilderness at times. God says, because in the wilderness, oh, I love this. I will speak to her. Come on, shout this word tenderly. Yeah, yeah, that's oxymoron. You can't shout tenderly. I will speak to her tenderly. You know what I love about God? No matter what we do, His kindness speaks to us tenderly. For some of you sitting with so much guilt, you're so scared for God to speak to you because you think He's going to act like a human. I told you so, I'm angry, blah, blah, blah. I can't stand the fact that we invite people to God and threaten them with hell. I can't stand it. Do I believe in hell? Yes. But I believe that love spoken tenderly will draw our hearts again and again and again. And God says, you know why I want to be united with the love of my heart? He says, there I will give back her vineyards he wants to restore. And I will transform her valley of troubles into a door of hope. God looked at all of creation and he says, I want to restore to you. And I will give you a door of hope. That is what the cost of love is. But you know. The cost of love was very expensive for Jesus. God didn't have many sons. He had one son. And the Bible says, for God so loved. He didn't do this to prove a point. He did this for the sake of love. For you and I. And he went to his son and said, will you go? And the love of the son, Jesus, for you. The Bible says when the time came, he, Jesus, set aside the privileges of being God. And took on the status of a slave. Not of a nobleman. He didn't take on the status of a diplomat with a number plate and bodyguards. He left it all. He became human. It was incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. I love this. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death, a crucifixion. Love. The love of God. The love of God over my drifting and your drifting. 
the love of God sees our humanity yet he loves us love of God sees our imperfection and he loves us the love of God sees your stubbornness and yet he loves you the love of God sees your unbelief yet he loves you the love of God doesn't stomp its feet and say well if you don't then I will there's no sass in the love of God it's jealous but it's not vengeful you can't plummet it's higher than the heavens, deeper than the deepest ocean, wider than you can ever imagine. There is no height, no depth, no evil, no power, no devil. And I want to remember, remind you, the devil can only be at one place at any given time. And all of his magnitude of evil cannot separate you from the love of Bethlehem. Now God says, now that you know love, he says, we though are going to love. Love and be loved. Oh, read this with me. First we were loved and now we loved. But remember, he loved us first. So what if I tell? world we're living in right now one of the most powerful witnesses that we know that we were loved first is to love others with the love that we have been loved do you know what that means that means some of you have broken relationships that God says I loved you past our broken relationship. Can you love them through this broken relationship? For some of you, you love people as long as they align with how you think people should live. Can you love the unloved? Can you love those who oppose you? Can you love that neighbor of yours that was sent from the pit of darkness? That's what you call him. And God says, can you love? Because love conquers it all. But love comes at a cost. It's sacrificial. It's not selfish. And I want you to know that I believe that the way that we can carry the testimony of Advent and our Messiah, Jesus, is to love. Because we have been loved first. Let us love one another. For everyone who loves is born of God. Accept one another as Christ has accepted you. For that glorifies the Father. So the question today is, who of you need to receive God's love? Who of you need to just Realize he's not angry at you. He wants to speak to you tenderly. He wants to restore. He wants to give you the door of hope. And who of you right now in this moment are challenged that God says, I want you to love with a love that you have been loved with.
that what you said on Facebook, what you put on Facebook and what you put in your, in your comments, if it's not loving, it's not worth putting it there. Because can I tell you something? You have a right to say anything. But anything sometimes taints your testimony. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights the life and leaves the ninety-nine. No, I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Sing it with us, oh, oh, and oh. All the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it. so clear in my heart I'm not hearing an audible voice just feel this very strong impression in my heart I believe there's some people in this place that if you look back there is so much shame in some of the decisions that you've made because it's hurt people and you're carrying shame like a robe hard for you to love yourself because you feel I have messed it up there's no restoration in what I have done can I tell you what love does it covers our shame with grace and forgiveness for God has seen the worst of us in the future and he loves us and I can hear the tender voice of God says just receive my love. Receive my love. For I will take your transgressions. I will heal. I will restore. For there is nothing you can do. I never ask you to pay the penalty for irresponsibility. I'm inviting you to grace. That is why Jesus came. To love order for us to love for this is the greatest commandment all the overwhelming never ending reckless love of God oh it chases me down fights till I'm found leaves the 99 no I couldn't earn it I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away, and all the overwhelming, all the reckless 
invite you to just put your hands on your lap. You don't have to. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, our Father, your Father, my Father, be with every one of you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord shine his countenance of radiance. May his love rise and rise and rise. May you become buoyant in his forgiveness and grace. May his love cut from you all the unnecessary burdens and weight and the reminder of your sinfulness and stupidity. May the God who paid the highest price because he loved give you peace. And may the Holy Spirit remind us of why we are in this season. May there be no gift that overshadows the ultimate gift of heaven. Be blessed, church. Be blessed. We'll see you next Sunday.